whatever social media platform you prefer, I am there. I am Tavisha, spelled T-A-V as in Victor, E-R-S as in Sam H-A, Tavisha, across all platforms. Yes, there is an R in my name, and it's silent. I like to think that it's in the same vein as Lil Wayne when he said, real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yeah, my rap game is not that great, but just bear with me. Um, if that doesn't resonate, just consider a silent R a new development in the English language. You know? Hey, it works. If you, pref- if you prefer to specifically find out more about the podcast, it's at Elbow Grease Pod on IG. Don't forget to add pod, P-O-D, at the end of Elbow Grease. You can also check out my website at Tavisha.com. Again, you spell it T-A-V as in Victor, E-R-S as in Sam, H-A. That's me across all social media, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, at Tavisha. Got it? Cool. I'll see you there. Welcome to Elbow Grease. I am your host, Tavisha. Here, we talk about everything fitness. That includes the mental, physical, and sometimes even spiritual. Nothing is off topic. What is elbow grease? Elbow grease in the most fundamental definitions is literally the grease that you put on your elbow. But in this instance, it's so much deeper than that. The idea originated from our grandma, who I call Granny. Yep, that's my Granny. I love her to death. Hey, Granny. (laughs) I'm sure she's not the first to use the term, but I heard it from her first. I was raised by her for the first eight years of my life. Um, One of the most memorable experiences I have with her is always trying to put some lotion, Vaseline, or anything on me to keep me from being ashy. (laughs) As you can imagine, from zero to eight years old, standing still for someone to moisturize your whole entire body is not something you're particularly excited about doing. Because this was a daily occurrence, it's a very prominent memory for me. During what seemed like an endless lotioning up sessions, I sometimes got life lessons. The one that stuck out to me the most is cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, if you're from the South, you've heard this many a time, probably so much that you, it'd be too soon if you heard it again. So, Um, and being ashy in this instance was a step in the wrong direction away from cleanliness and godliness, you know? So needless to say, I now have a severe aversion to being ashy. To keep from being ashy and to keep your skin hydrated, you have to have the consistency and discipline to lotion up daily, even when it may not be the most opportune time. I can't believe I'm talking to you guys about being ashy, but here I am. So that's how I came up with elbow grease because my granny not only instilled proper skincare management, She also instilled work ethic and the idea that consistency and discipline can yield desired results if you have the courage to implement them. So that's how elbow grease came about. However, there is a significantly deeper meaning to elbow grease, as one might have guessed. As I stated in the intro to this podcast, elbow grease will focus on three aspects of health, mental, physical, and spiritual. As a result of being the president, CEO, CFO, and all of the other C-suite of the School of Hard Knocks, I, for one, can attest that these are the three components that got me through whatever it is that I thought I couldn't make it through. These three things have to work in congruence if you are to have lasting and sustainable change, putting it in layman's terms, a healthy lifestyle centered on wellness. So 
Weekly, I will discuss different aspects of the elbow grease lifestyle in order to create a blueprint of sorts on how to maximize your efforts, even when they seem in vain, as they sometimes often do. Now, now that we know all about elbow grease, I want to tell you a little bit about me. When I first started this podcast, I wasn't comfortable speaking about myself really at all, like at all, ever. But then I realized my story is one to be proud of and that I should definitely carry it that way. Vulnerability used to be a word. I couldn't even form the words to speak. It was a foreign concept to me. It automatically meant that you were weak. Um, And that's how deathly afraid of it I was. Being vulnerable would mean I would have to open up and trust another person and ill. Who wants to do that, right? That was and still is a scary and quite daunting task. So as a black bisexual woman, that makes me a minority. Not once, not twice, but three times over. I'm usually the only one of me when I walk into a room, especially here in Arizona. And as a result, by default, the world is not set up for me to succeed. It's been well documented over the past half century or so, so it's a well-known fact. I basically couldn't figure out what was a thing that was missing from the podcast two years ago. And basically, it was me. I can only speak my truth and what I know. That's where I came up with my words for 2020. And they are transparency and consistency. In order to continue to move in my purpose and reach my goals, I not only have to be transparent with myself and consistent as I pursue excellence, but I also have to be that with anyone that I come in contact with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite okay with being vulnerable, but I'm, I'm getting there. Focusing on transparency and consistency will for sure get me there. With that being said, who am I to be talking to you? I'm someone who had to be, who had to grow up way too fast, who had to figure out this thing called adulthood with, without parents and build my boxing professional career brick by brick, even when just about everyone around me was telling me not to. So here's my truth. Growing up in deep South Georgia, you can only imagine the trials and tribulations I had to go through being a black little girl. And if you're from the South of any state in the Southern region, then you know, especially if you are from the sticks, my town only has one red light. Um, It's usually about 20, 30 years behind behind the most progressive parts of the country. So being that I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, it was literally like the late 60s and 70s um, growing up in deep South Georgia. So you can imagine some of the experiences that I had to go through. Besides all of that, my mom had terminal disease, had a terminal disease, and it's called sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia, if you're not familiar, um, is a disease that people of color usually get, mainly Hispanics and black people. It affects, it affects your red blood cells, and they're shaped like a sickle. If you're unfamiliar with a sickle, it's more um, like the, the, the tool that they used when they used to cut grass before lawnmowers were invented. Um, another alternative um, synonym would be shaped like a, a moon or like a moon that's not quite full. Um, that's how your, your the red blood cells look if you have sickle cell anemia. Me personally, I have the trait, so I do have some side effects, but not as many as my mom had. Those side effects um, will eventually uh, kill you. You don't die from sickle cell. You die from complications of sickle cell. So during the course of my young adulthood and my late teens, my mom had brain surgery. She had her kidneys removed. I mean, she had she didn't have her kidneys removed. She had um, her kidneys failed, so she had to go on dialysis. 
she did have her gallbladder removed. Any organ that was not vital, she basically had removed. Um, and in that brain surgery, she had an aneurysm. And that aneurysm changed her personality. I would say probably a 180. Um, and so she would have seizures throughout the day. And she had to do dialysis four times a day in and out of the hospital. And you can imagine coming up in an age where, one, the world is not set up for you to succeed. But two, you have a parent that you're supposed to be depending on um, and that you feel guilty for depending on um, kind of changes your perspective on life. Um, and so knowing that your mom is going to die way before you want her to is a horrifying, to say the least. Um, like I said, as a result, that made me angry, depressed, um, filled with anxiety. Even though I didn't know what anxiety was at that time, I was scared, questioning everything. And probably the one that hurt the most, I felt betrayed and guilty. I felt betrayed because I thought I was owed a healthy mother. I thought I was owed the opportunity to see her go old and for her to see her future grandkids graduate high school. That's if I ever have any. And so when I thought about the alternative to, to all of that, all of the aforementioned things, all of the emotions that I just mentioned came rushing in. Now, add guilt on top of that. My mother, as any good mother would do, um, neglected her health to make sure that I'd have mine. My mom told me that she had three wishes for me growing up. One is that I wouldn't be as dark-skinned as her. Yes, I said dark-skinned. Remember, I'm from deep South Georgia. That meant my mom grew up during the Civil Rights Movement. So being of a darker complexion was not favorable. That means you're at the bottom of the barrel. Um, number two, she didn't want me to have hair like my father. Now, side note, I believe all hair is good hair, but that doesn't make all hair manageable. You feel me? Um, and then number three is that I wouldn't have sickle cell anemia. And like I said before, I have the trait. So I'm three for three. Everything my mom wished for me, I had. And so my mom had flawless skin and hair. And unless you knew the, sickle cell, the symptoms of sickle cell anemia, you would think that she was as healthy as an ox until she had to go on dialysis. So my mom passed in 2007. It was right after the economy crashed and nobody was hiring a black girl that graduated from an HBCU, historically black college, university with a BS in psychology. How do I know? <laughs> I was jobless for almost two years after my mom passed. There were many reasons for it. One, um, whenever there's an economy crash, minorities, particularly black women, fare the worst. Two, I was lost. I didn't have direction. My mom, my rock, was gone. It was just me, literally. My dad chooses not to be a part of my life for reasons unbeknownst to me. So literally, it's just me. Again, all those feelings of self-loathing, depression, anxiety, and add to that resentment showed up in every aspect of my life. So for me, mourning lost loved ones manifests in different ways. I practiced seclusion. For two years after my mom died, I, was, I probably wasn't washing my ass regularly. That also meant I, wasn't brush, I was brushing my teeth even less. I um, wasn't really talking to my family. And I didn't feel like I had friends that I thought truly cared. The only thing that saved me besides God was my ego. That I can admit to. Usually the ego is not a good thing, but in this instance, it saved my life. Um, through that, I was able to discover two of my God-given talents, athleticism and the ability to affect change. The latter comes in a few different avenues, and I'll talk about that later. Um, but I was only aware of my athleticism at the time. So being an elite athlete with my newly 
resurrected ego. I walked into a boxing gym in 2009, 2010, and I took one boxing class. Three months later, I had my first fight. Side note, nobody should ever, ever, ever fight competitively in a, in, in a sanctioned fight three months into learning any sport if you've never done it before. That was just wrong. Um, so needless to say, I got my ass kicked royally from the rooter to the tutor. You hear me? It was just awful. So I quit. My record stood at 0-1. 0-1. Horrible. After about two to three months, I went back to boxing because I couldn't go out with a record of 0-1. My pride wouldn't let me get wouldn't let me do that. So needless to say, my next four fights just followed suit. Just just terrible. <laughs> I think um, I was two and three after my first five fights. But um, since people consider me, consider me the underdog, I'm always underestimated, dismissed, disregarded, um, and all the sorts. Um, and that was what I needed to motivate me, that losing record. Fast forward a few years, I didn't give up. I ended up, after less than two years of boxing, making the first ever boxing Olympic trials for women in 2012. The reason, so with all that being said, knowing that I have the capability to pick myself up even when I feel like I have nobody else that can help me is the most empowering thing that I've ever done in my life. Sometimes the worst things that could ever happen to you show you who you really are. And my mom passing in the two years following that showed me that. So I can sit here and honestly tell you that there's nothing that I feel like that I can't persevere through. It's just a matter of me figuring out how to do it. That's it. So this is the one reason why I had to revamp elbow grease. I had to have um, a boxing segment. And two, I, well, I said one reason, but I mean two. And two, I had to speak my truth. Boxing saved my life. It reminded me that I know how to be disciplined. It taught me how to manage my weight, how to properly strength train, how to manage my nutrition, and amongst other things, it taught me that I can do anything that I put my mind to. Boxing taught me that when I have, when I feel I have nothing left, there usually, there's usually more gas in the tank. Because when you're in the boxing, when you're in a boxing ring and in a dog fight, what are you going to do when you feel like you have nothing left? You're going to quit, or you're going to keep going forward. There ain't nobody coming to save you. So I ain't quitting. You find that last bit of energy, that last little bit of gas, no matter what. You know how I know? I never thought I'd be where I am today after my mom died. And I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. When you move in your purpose, things align the way they're supposed to. I wholeheartedly believe that. So after the Olympic trials, I packed literally two suitcases and that's it. And moved to Oxnard, California to box full time. I left my job. I was working on my second master's in sports psychology. I left my house and my car right there in Atlanta, moved to Oxnard. My boxing career didn't take off like I wanted to, but I gained so much valuable life experience and personal growth from that. That was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. It led me to building the foundation of what is now my professional career. Fitness, health, overall wellness, all of that is my passion. Understanding and learning that your health is not guaranteed in an early age because of my mom's terminal illness made me want to know what I could do to keep me from dying at an early death. So in doing so, I found something that brings me complete and utter joy, partnering with people to find their view of their best self, not only finding that view, but creating it as well. The only thing that probably gives me more joy is playing with my little cousins. 
Hey, Lily, LJ, and Jazzy. I can't wait to see you guys and all those chubby cheeks again. Guys, these three little kids have the biggest smiles, and they just emote positive energy when, they, when they're in the room, and you just want to kiss their cheeks all day. I'm sorry. I could talk about them all day. Back on subject. Okay, but I'm in here. Cause now that you know a little bit about a little about a little bit about my business, there's not much more for me to say about this, um, except to listen. You know, unless you want to listen to me talk about myself more. Um, so, I don't know, man. If this ain't being vulnerable, I really don't know what is. But thank you for your time and thank you for listening. And I'm excited about elbow grease. Stay tuned, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye.